Welcome back to another episode of Tome to the Weather Machine podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And for this podcast, I sit down with Ma Turner, Michael Turner. You may know him from such outfits as Cross, plus about a million others, most notably Warmer Milk, that I think according to this interview, really hits heyday in the early 2000s. Kind of during the whole noise rock explosion. So it's a great interview. Ma Turner, Ma, Michael, Mikey, Michael, played a really great, very intimate uh, show at Torn Light Records in Bellevue, Kentucky. If you're ever in the Cincinnati area or in the northern Kentucky area, I suggest you hit up Torn Light for all of your weird, eclectic record-buying needs. Every time I've gone there, I've found amazing stuff, either that I remember from my past or I've heard of. I've always walked away, always spending money. When I was there, I picked up I don't know if you guys remember this record by this band Capsule. Um, kind of, I think it came out maybe 2009, 2010. The album's called Blue. Really great forward-thinking hardcore on uh, was that Robotic Empire, Hydrahead, one of the one of those labels. Anyway, it's great, and the dude who runs it's awesome. So I hope you enjoy the interview. It's another. Uh, I, I can't speak too much for the sound quality. We were kind of tucked back in a uh, in a corner um, and. Besides some sort of air vent or something, so that kind of kicks on. But anyway, it's a great interview. Um, Mod Turner's musical output is amazing. He's a super nice guy, and if you're into um, lo-fi, home-recorded, weirdly psychedelic uh, stuff, uh, I'm, I'm sure this anything that Mod Turner puts out will be right up your alley. So yeah, that's the. Um, that's the introduction to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the interview. Bye. Picture, don't you see? 
your music um you've done some stuff with sophomore lounge yeah um and it was through those guys um through that label i helped organize a music festival in denver um mm -hmm. called gold rush okay and those guys were a label sponsor uh, oh, okay. of ours last year cool and then just moving here getting in kind of learning more about stuff that's happening in Ohio and, and Kentucky, mm -hmm. getting to know, like, John Lorenz and yeah. John Rich. Um, yeah, there's a really uh, rich history of experimental music, um, kind of from Louisville up to up to Columbus. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, and in Dayton and, and all that stuff. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just moved here to Cincinnati uh, two years ago almost, and... Um, yeah, it's just been a, uh, a process of learning what's um, what's out there and yeah. the, kind of the history of weird Midwestern experimental music. So there's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't why don't you tell me a little about yourself? Um, you, kind of on our walk over here, you tell you told me you grew up in um, Louisville mostly. Well, I'm back and forth. Um, most of my childhood in high school, I was in Lexington, and okay. also, well, I went to high school in a small town outside of Lexington called Nicholasville, um, located in Jessamine County. Um, I went to Jessamine County High School. I went to high school with Hair Police. Okay. And uh, Robert Betty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of one of my best friends. Um, Robert and Trevor and Mike. Well, Mike's from Chicago, but Trevor and Robert are from Jessamine County. Walter Carson. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with him. He's put out a few records through the years. Um, mm -hmm. He's an experimental guy. His name's Daryl. And then, uh, yeah, man, just pretty much, like, bounce back and forth around central Kentucky, basically. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in my 20s, I lived out in eastern Kentucky for a while on a farm. Did that for, like, two years. Um, yeah, like, I traveled for a while, you know, mm -hmm. like, out to Texas, California, like, aside from touring, just, like, you know, moving places randomly for the fuck of it mm -hmm. when I could. <laughs> and what what was your first um, exposure to uh, to music? Do you have a, mem a very, do you have a distinct memory of something when you were first really drawn to music? Um, 
Well, I'd say it's between... Like, my mom had a record collection growing up. What was in that? Um, The Paul McCartney record? Yeah, my mom <laughs> loved the Beatles, but, like, she denounced secular music... Oh. When I was six years old, um, and it was, like, predominantly, like, Christian music, she listened to a lot of, like, uh, the Jesus People USA movement. It was kind of like a Christian hippie movement in the early 70s, and there was a lot of, like, I don't know, like, private press or white label Christian folk records coming out, and she had a lot of that stuff, a lot of, like, praise and worship music, and... There was all that stuff, and then there was like, you know, like James Taylor and shit, like Carly Simon, Carol King, all that kind of stuff. She was really into that. She loved Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. I was I was into everything she had. I didn't really like dislike anything. I just enjoyed music. And then I was born in '77, so I was I'm definitely like an '80s child. Yeah. So I had like mainstream radio, the birth of MTV. And, you know, I was all about it. Like, I loved, like, Wham! and Billy Idol and Michael Jackson, like, all that shit, you know, does, super into it. Does any of that pop music still hold over and influence any of your stuff today? Oh, yeah. In what ways? Um, well, I mean, aside from just, like, melodies and harmony and, you know, just the, the writing formula is there, you know, and as well as, like, like I said, growing up in the 80s, like, the production, there was, like, an eerie quality that I'm really drawn to that I probably still keep around, you know, like, synthesizers and... Yeah, eer- eerie in that sense that we think of with kind of that spooky sound, like, I'm thinking of, like, Michael Jackson's Thriller and a lot of those, like, really keyed-up synths and stuff like that. Yeah, more so for me, it would be, like the European synth pop explosion Headshot Boys and there's all these factions of music from Europe that probably resonate harder with me today than like American pop music from the 80s like I think the first thing that really got me on a chilling level was that song Westin Girls by the Pet Shop Boys I always thought that was like really spooky too. I want to know what like the story was. Yeah, I, I just think it's a. I mean, I think it's just a dumb pop song about like teenagers going out on the weekends to hang out. Like, that's what it seems like. For and me. I always associated the West End and the East End um, with, like, Berlin, you know, like, yeah. during the Cold War, you know? Okay. And so it kind of yeah. had that really kind of spooky post-war vibe. Right. Me. Well, there's the bridge of that song. There's a, I believe it's a key change. I could be wrong. I'm kind of dumb about that stuff. But there's some kind of key change happening with no vocals. It's just, like, this, like, synth line with that trumpet loop. Mm-hmm. And it just has a very clairvoyant vibe.
And I remember when I was little, it scared me. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I kind of remembered it in my, like, early 20s. And I was just like, fuck, man, I, I got to put that on. And it kind of, I just, I got addicted to it and started looking for stuff that had that same feeling. I mean, I'm probably not as keyed into that maybe as I was a few years ago, but just as far as, like, early memories of, you mm-hmm. know, that music really hitting me that way. And then, of course, like, middle school, like, hearing, like, metal, like, thrash and death metal. Like, I got, you know, I was around for, like, the birth of the whole Florida explosion with death metal. And that had a big influence on me. And then this kid in eighth grade, it was weird because he was, like, I hung out with the nerds. And I was, like, on the bottom of the nerd pile. You know, there was a hierarchy, and I was on the very... No, there was one other guy that was way fucking nerdy. But anyway, I was second second tier. And um, there was this dude that used to... He was like my friend of the nerd gang, but he also picked on me. He'd turn on me kind of deal. But one day, he was like, my friend from California sent me this tape, and it's stupid. You can have it. I don't care. And like it was kind of like, you're lame, so take it. And the tape was fucking... A 90-minute cassette, and Side A had Black Flag, Everything Went Black. And side B had Bad Brains and DRI crossover. And what year would this or what kind of that that frame? Is, what year was that? That was like ninety one. Okay. Wow. And then around the same time I got into WRFL, it's the University of Kentucky radio station, eight eight point one. And I started listening to that, like, constantly. Like college rock or something? Yeah, I mean, it was right before Nirvana exploded. Okay. So a lot of that, like, Seattle stuff was coming in. And then you had, like, the wedding present and all this, like, British. Mm -hmm. You had pavement. You had, like, I mean, it was a really good time for, like, all kinds of shit. So, you know, I was jamming that, like, Minutemen, all the SST bands. But I didn't really, like, I mean, that's when I was living... No, it was right before we moved to Nicholasville, but I lived, like, kind of an isolated life. I don't have any friends. And I would just, like, <clears throat> you know, listen to this radio station. I would call, like, all day long in the summertime and just bug the DJs and ask questions. And then I somehow just started meeting people that were older than me that were cool. And, you know, then I got into the whole, like, underground rock thing, like, head on all through high school and... But I hadn't really been exposed to avant-garde music or noise or ex- what you would call experimental music until... I guess the first thing that was just like, what the fuck is this, was I heard Beefheart Trout Mask. A squid eating dough in a polyethylene bag is fast and bulbous. Got me?
kind of like connected the dots back to the Minutemen and Meat Puppets and all these things. And I'm like, oh, wow, rock music, you know. Because at the time, I guess I was like 19. And, you know, I was into like Discord and, you know, the basic shit. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like every month I would hear something that's weirder. Like, this, it would just, you know, piling up, piling up. Then I moved to Louisville when I was 20 for a year and I met a guy named Mac Finley um, and he turned me on to like Can, all the Krautrock stuff, Red Crayola, I got real into Drag City, that was like one of the labels that like got me like digging harder into stuff because they had a lot of weird shit on the catalog early on. And then I would say, to use the term experimental, as a genre or whatever, there was the whole fucking noise explosion, and I was at the right place at the right time. Like, where were you? I was in Lexington, mm-hmm. and me and Hair Police fucking came out of nowhere. sudden they're playing shows with wolf eyes all the time there was like a killer noise show like twice a week i saw like lightning bolt in someone's living room like i mean crazy beautiful shit and nobody gave a fuck at the time what 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 year would that or what kind of time frame would that be? um 2005 okay yeah it's funny i was in a used bookstore um and i was just i picked up a spin magazine from 2005 mm-hmm. and um yeah, they were talking about like, you know, like noise rock. You know, like this brand new genre. And they, yeah. They had a they featured a song by Wolf Eyes. And yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it's funny. Like that's when back, uh, Stabbed in the Face yep. came out. I think. Yep. Yeah, that was they got signed to Sub Pop. That was. Yep. It. <laughs> but the the they, things kind of happen in chunks. It's like I'm not sure of the order, but I know this all happened. It seems like within the same year and a half period. Hair Police came out with this record called Obedience Cuts that Freedom From out of Minneapolis put out. And then Sonic Youth asked Hair Police to open for them on tour along with Wolf Eyes. And I was a roadie for that tour. It was the Sonic Nurse tour. Mm. And that was the year that my longest running band, Warmer Milk, started. for probably about a decade, I would say. Um, roughly. No, not that long. The band started like late 2004 and it ended in 2009. Okay, so yeah. Close, yeah, close, that. close enough. Yeah. But um, within that whole year that all this exploded, I had this new band, you know, and it was kind of coming from more of like a what you would call, like, freak folk, which I fucking hate that term, the whole new weird America thing, the mm-hmm. whole, like, 
But I mean, I, I got introduced to so much fucking shit. I started buying like Wire magazine and like following like Tower Recordings and Six Organs of Admittance, Sunburn Hand of the Man, No Neck Blues Band. Um, and it all like seemed over the top and amazing, but at the same time, it felt like people like me. And for the first time, I didn't feel like there was like a a stage. It was just like the same level, and. I started touring in this band, Warmer Milks. And I played in a bunch of bands before, more like guitar, indie rock based. Um, but like, I started playing just like really fucked up music. And it was like the more fucked up it got, the like more experiences we were having and like traveling everywhere. And started putting out records on Trouble Man and oh, nice. Animal Disguise. Um, went to Europe. Like, toured with Six Organs of Admittance, um, toured with Bonnie Prince Billy, toured with, um, I'm totally slipping, I don't know, there were some others, but, you know, it was an incredible time, you know, and it was like, because people were really open to it, and that was kind of the whole CDR explosion, everyone had a label, and yeah. CDRs were really easy to make, and you can fit like 70 minutes of music, so it was just a really, like, free time, and... You know, I mean, I feel like that really shaped, for me, like, it, it really, like, kick-started the DIY thing for real. Mm. Like, I always, you know, read about it and grew up thinking about it, but I always felt kind of held down by the sense of regionalism. But once all that exploded, I just felt like there were no limits, you mm. know, and I could just... Whether that's the sound or that's traveling or the people I meet, you know. What do you think contributed to the kind of breakdown of regionalism? Do you think, I mean, the internet, the blogs, the... Um, I think that the experimental scene at the time, I mean, nobody gave a shit about it. Mm-hmm. But people were so pumped about it, and, like, all these other fucking, like, I don't even remember what was going on at the time, like, what, Ladytron or something? I don't even know, like, just, like, <laughs> random, you know, like... Yeah, there's, like, kind of that Electro Clash... Electro Clash... Uh, thing that was supposed to be really big for yeah, a while. Yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff, and there's the whole, like, CMJ thing, the whole, like, college music, college radio becoming, like, the new mainstream radio. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's all these, like, groups underneath it, and, like, nobody gave a fuck about any of that. And everybody was just really persistent about doing it. But there was also, like, not in every occurrence, certainly not in mine, but at the time, you know, it wasn't a decadent thing. It wasn't a party vibe as much as, like, it was really organized, and people were, like, pushing really fucking hard. And, you know, you had a lot of academics in it. You had a lot of, like, really bookish people that weren't, like trying to go fucking nuts, like punk or like mm -hmm. metal or like these other scenes at the time where people just like really wanted to throw down and go for it. So, you know, you kind of had some clarity there in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of ways. It, it wasn't so much a, uh, a lifestyle that you had to dedicate yourself to or, or maybe an ideology that you had to dedicate yourself to. Yeah, I mean, I've, I... I mean, is, is, yeah, is, 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 that, is that accurate or am I on that? I think there was a lot of people that were older in the scene that were more responsible with their time I mean, you know, I was in my early 20s, you know, I, I was ready to rage. I mean, yeah. I looked at it as a fucking party. Sure. And it, 
I mean, it fucking slowed things down. But, <laughs> you know, regardless, you know, yeah, yeah. We, ma we made it happen. But, yeah, I think that between, you know, when you have nothing to lose, you don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And you'll go as hard as you can. And you don't expect anyone to give a shit anyway. But you also know that, you know, you could take that, like, oh, you know, we're only going to play to, like, three people in every town, so I'm just going to stay home. Right. No fucking way. And a right. lot of, I mean, you know, it was great for two years. <laughs> and then it just, like, got homogenized. And, you know, like, all of a sudden, like, everybody has a pedal band. And, you know, there's, like, it's so flooded. And, I mean, there's so many tours going on at the same time. And the money's getting smaller. And, like, you know, it got harder to get over to Europe. And I just think, you know, it's one of those things, you know, something, you know, the party has to get broken up. Yeah, Every yeah. subculture, it has to... It has to die. And it so, really... kind of what I'm hearing is the barrier to entry was so low that the, sort of the, the liberation that you immediately felt kind of gave way to, I don't know if it was like, just like, people kind of picked up on that and be like, oh shit, I can like... Yeah, I mean, a... On, on a like, fiscal level, on a traveling level, accessibility level, yeah, it was very like, easy to do it. And also, I think that a lot of people bandwagoned because they just they they saw what was being used or they heard it, and they just heard it. It was like, oh, there's no talent. It's so easy, yeah. and they're like, they're getting kudos. So I'm mm -hmm. gonna fucking go do this thing. But in reality, I mean, there's a craft to it. It's not, you know. Yeah, that, that's always interesting to me. Um, that when the means of production are kind of put in everybody's hands, um, there there is some stuff that probably you know may not get the uh, may not warrant the accolades that it gets. But at the same time, well, yeah, like, because people it, people who listen to that are pretty discerning. You know what I mean? People who who are into this kind of stuff like n aren't easily duped. You know, and, and can call bullshit when they see it. Right. Um, it so. I think in a lot of instances, but you know, it certainly got out of hand. I yeah, mean, but I, you I know, think there yeah. was there. You know, there used to be like one Magic Markers, one Double Leopards, <laughs> one Wolf Eyes, one Hair Police. Sure. You know, like these different sure. crews. Yeah. And then like you blink, and there's like a million versions of everything. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like people got bored, and so you started seeing these factions happen where like people are breaking off, like noise dudes are like getting into like. Detroit techno or like you know right, German right. shit you know like and they're going off into techno directions and then you have like the drone thing happened and then the drone thing turned into like the new age shit and the new age <laughs> shit turned into like fuck I don't even know you know like I mean it I hit a wall with it where I you know like I started a band called Cross yeah
listening to like Christian death and we heavy actually, metal. And we shit. actually um, for our um, for our zine that we put out for the music festival, we reviewed that Cross album. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a good time. So that was kind of like Cross, like came directly out of the ashes of Warmer Milks. Mm-hmm. It was like me and my friend Clint, who's the singer of Cross, and. It started out as, like, a two-piece. He was playing percussion. I was playing guitar. And it was very, like, you know, New Zealand, expressway-inspired, just kind of playing, like, a, with a pop formula, but being very sloppy with it and allowing the mistakes to, you know, trying to ride mistakes to the point to where they become something new. But then it eventually turned into, like, a more lean kind of like ACDC influence rock band and at the time it was just like you know the further away I was going from all this shit that I'd been involved in with like the experimental stuff the more I felt like I was experimenting if that makes any sense it felt no that new. totally does you know but I mean you're taking you're taking a form and a structure that is like pretty widely accessible and kind of playing it out to its right. nth degree yeah and at the same time you know I mean I, I've been recording like acoustic records for 20 years mm-hmm. and I've always done that and I was doing that at the same time and I was still fucking around with like you know abstract collage stuff I've never stopped doing that but you know I think at the time they all kind of in warmer milks you know they they would flow in and out but I was a little more like clear cut about like wanting to take a certain direction with each record or EP or whatever but as I got older and during Cross, I kind of, like, got bored of that formula. Because I was like, man, I just want to, like, I'm into all kinds of shit. And, you know, it, I kind of looked at it as, like, a post-apocalyptic decision just to say, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to play whatever I want. I can call it all one thing. I don't even need a band. I'll just go under my own name kind of deal. So that started happening. Around so is, is that where Ma Turner? Yeah. Okay. Well, I did a record in 07 called Holding On under the name M.A. Turner because my name is Michael Andrew Turner and and then a friend of mine Case Mahan he plays under the name Street Nar he used to call me Ma as a joke Mm -hmm. and at first it kind of annoyed me but then it stuck and I thought it was kind of cool because it was you know effeminate and I dug that so it just you know kind of went on from there and uh here we are now. Yeah. You know. And I, I kind of want to go go back a little bit. Um, so you you mentioned earlier that um, your mom stopped listening to like secular music when you were six. What what denomination were you? Or um, if, I mean, if you, if, if you would file it under the charismatic Christian faith. Okay. A very extreme version of Christianity. A lot of like. Oh, like speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody was acting weird, they were instantly possessed. Sure. There was a lot of like, you know, getting demons out of people and shit. A lot of like, just, it was a really abrasive version. A very like, you know, everything's bad. Yeah. You're going You're to hell. Yeah. You know, like everything's fucked all the time. And what's funny is, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up listening to a lot of, like, Christian rock music, and a lot mm-hmm. of it I still really like, Striper? actually. Yeah, but I mean, you know, as you, if you go on <laughs> yeah, into yeah, the yeah. 90s, I mean, there were actually some really, like, 
like the thrash movement and the death metal movement and Christianity, like and all that. It was so good. Like really, there was really killer. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I looked up this band Believer the other day for a friend. This record shreds. It's so fucking good. But, um, yeah, it's funny because my mom would rent these. Because, you know, I would, like, dub my friend's records or tapes, and I would hide them. And my mom, my mom every six months, would, like, find the shoebox of the Guns N' Roses and the, all the punk and all that. And, you know, I'd come home, and she'd be like, we need to talk. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. I, I've been through the exact same thing. Yeah, but my mom started renting, like, these, like, anti-rock music, like, movies. Oh, wow. There was this one called Hell's Bells. Oh, man, so this is, like, right in the 90s. So this is, like, yeah. probably, like, the great Satanist scare, you know, mm-hmm. like, the Satan, big Satan conspiracy. Well, yeah, there was the Geraldo special about oh. Satanism, and, like, in my youth group, that was, yeah, that was like 89 or that's, 90. That stuff's so fascinating. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, that that's what kind of shaped my fascination with like the things that I do now. Like, so did, did, did you feel like that kind of backfired? You're no, like, it did. It, it did because like, it's like my like, mom. Oh, Slayer's so evil. You're like, tell me more about the Slayer band. Well, it goes deeper because yeah. like, you know, my mom's like, I found this Primus CD and I'm like, don't <laughs> break it. And she's like, we're going to watch this movie. And then we watch it, and it's like Joy Division, Diamond Laws, like taking Christian notes. Death, just like all this <laughs> sick shit. And I'm all like, man, this shreds. And then my mom's like, so do you want to break your mother love phone CDs? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, fucking yeah. go ahead. I did. Um, I did. I did the same thing. Uh, my mom found like, like a Minor Threat CD, and I broke that. Yeah. Um, but then like. I did that too. Yeah. But I, I think I, I kept my Fugazi repeater albums because it was just looked it was, more. You just well, it was just so good. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept, like, getting the same shit over and over yeah. again. I got in a lot of trouble over uh, blood sugar sex magic. Oh, yeah. But what's funny is I still just, I love that album. I've been listening to uh, the I, John Frusciani's Isolated Guitar Tracks. He, yeah, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I don't like his voice, but <laughs> I, I really dig, like, his his guitar playing. I mean, I don't even know anymore. Like, I have a good friend who lives in Philly, um, and he's a humongous Chili Peppers fan. Like, just hardcore, and that's like a big bonding thing with us. Yeah. It's like, we both love that band, and he's a huge Frusciani fan, and apparently Frusciani does, like, techno records now, and, like, I heard someone just bored the fuck out of me. He but... did a project a couple years ago called Swahili Blonde. Yeah. Um, that I wasn't crazy about, but his guitar <clears throat> playing in it was really amazing. I, I didn't yeah, really I mean, he's... Um, but... I mean, you know, that was... I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Funky Monks. No. It was about the making of Blood Sugar. Okay. And it kind of was one of those defining moments where I knew that I wanted to be in a band huh. because it was kind of like a family. Sure. It's like dysfunctional youth in their own crew, and it's a family outside of their home life, with, you know, fucked up home lives. 
So, you know, that that was a big game changer. And just, yeah, Frusciani is a fucking, like, huge heart, and it pours out into his music. And I don't even have to like... I mean, honestly, I don't like, like, 80% of his output since... Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'll say, like, Californication. Like, that <laughs> record has some killer shit on it. But, like, after that, I'm just... Uh, yeah. You know, whatever. Cool. Well, um, I'm trying to think of what else um, I could ask. It, it's interesting... Um, I kind of came, I started blogging um, in 2009, right after, kind of right after the whole major CDR explosion, yeah. right before cassettes really started taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of in this weird limbo where Bandcamp was just starting to become a thing and stuff like that. And now, I mean, like 90% of like the stuff I get is on tape, um, like submissions and stuff of people yeah. who send me physical stuff. It's really accessible. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially now with the whole like, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty old-fashioned. Like, I love, I love LPs. I love putting them out. Mm-hmm. It feels fucking good. Mm-hmm. And with the whole record store day thing, it's like slowed the the plants down, like the record oh, yeah. plants. And it's like and that, that's such a bummer. Because like, in any record store, you find like so many of the same record store releases that just like never sold. You know, oh, like that's I mean, I'm, I hate it. Like I'm. I actually got asked by this local shop in town in Lexington to to play Record Store Day. I play in a band. Um, I'm in a few bands right now. Mm-hmm. One of them's called Fatu Fairfe. F A T U F A I R F E. Fatu Fairfe. And um, we got asked to play Record Store Day. And for a second, I didn't think about. it. I was like, talk to the guys, like, yeah. And then I just stopped in my tracks, and I was like, wait a fucking second. No way. I don't want to play that. Like, that's like the fucking, like, that day is in the way between, like, me and the records I could be putting out year-round. But now it's like I have to wait in line for, like, a stupid fucking Blondie reissue. Like, like the world needs another version of Call Me Picture Disc, you know, and it's all, it's commerce. It's all money, so. Picture Disc or something like that. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's bullshit, so it's tapes. That's that's what's sure. That's sure. I mean, you could, you could, you right could dub three hundred and just you know, like a yeah afternoon's time or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So you, so you're you're involved in all the all those projects now. It's it, it's interesting that like the means of production can get in the way. Like you know that there's so many. There there's so few. It can. Like if you let it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it can like, get in you, the way. But, but it's but crazy that there's just like so few, like. Um, factories pressing records. I feel like that's probably going to be different in a couple years. Like we're we're on the boom and bust, and we're definitely in the boom. And people are going to all these entrepreneurs are going to be like, I'm going to you know build like a like a vinyl pressing plant, and then I have friends it, that it's like, gonna it's gonna it's gonna fall, and then you know yeah, I have some friends that are like technologically savvy and uh, aesthetically sound. I'll say, mm-hmm. and they have been toying with the idea of procuring equipment to make their own records it would, and I'm just like fuck that's so like massive to me I'm like yeah. I just want to take my trash out on trash day like yeah. I'm just like fuck <laughs> but that being said like it, it it is up to us and that's the thing you know there's all these like booms people are getting signed and they start relying on record labels yeah and you know it doesn't even matter if like your record label's your best friend which in my case that's true like sophomore lounge is like ryan davis is like mm-hmm. one of my best friends in the whole world and but you know he's a fucking human and he has 
only so many records he can do a year. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can't, like, lean on people that hard. You've, you've got to, like, constantly be coming up with ways that you can do what you're doing. And, I mean, I, I'm beginning to look... I mean, I'm honestly in a stage where I don't really give a fuck. Like, if somebody told me tomorrow that, like, I can't put anything else out for, like, ten years, like, right now I don't really care about that as long as I can participate in the making of music. Mm -hmm. I mean, I make records a lot. Like, that's kind of like, I mean, when I have free time, I go home and and I, I start thinking about a concept for an album and I'll put it together. And, I mean, I have, like, a shit ton on my computer right now yeah. or like on my four track what's tapes. what's your um what's your most recent release or something that's coming out that you might want to highlight um Fatu Fairfay has a seven inch coming out on Karmic Swamp that's based out of eastern Kentucky or Whitesburg cool um and that band is it's it's weird it's um kind of a combination of like, I'm, I'm really into the dead. Like, I've been in the Grateful Dead since I was a kid. And it, it's got, like, a super dead vibe. But it's also very, like, noisy and harsh. And, you know, it's experimental, quote-unquote. Is, is there anything uh, online that I can I can throw on this now? No. Okay. Um, I just finished a record that I'm going to put out. Like, I don't know who's going to do it yet. Like I said, I'm just kind of, like, not giving a fuck. Because it just, it, it, it's really exhausting like going through that process and I don't really have any tours coming up like yeah. I toured all last year yeah. you know and I had like a tape out on Torn Light Sophomore Lounge did the Zaws full length I had a box set that I did by hand like wow there was a lot you know I had a little a lot of little tape releases floating around as well as like the full length and it was a busy year um so this year I'm just kind of like feeling it out but I just started playing in a new band called uh Teal Grapefruit with um, Joe from the Elsinores. Oh, nice. And Salad Influence, Clint from Cross, and then Philip, who plays with me solo, and he's also in Fatu Fairfay. Cool. And that's just, like, kind of... Pen group, New Zealand, meets, like, unwound, like, just really, like, wild guitar, but there's a lot of, like, funk breaks, like, drums and bass, like, kind of a dub influence, and... So that's a lot of fun. Like, we just started playing in the past month, and the songwriting's happening really fast, and, I mean, we're probably just going to, like, bust out a cassette on our own. Cool. Out of our house, and, you know. Online, I'm fucking internet, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get turned on to a lot of shit from it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I, uh, it's so vast and and just like oversaturated it makes my brain hurt so i'm kind of like really slow to get my shit online and i'm also kind of like i mean i know that people like you know and i i know that like people like my music you know i travel and people come out and that's cool but it's such a small number that i don't really feel like i have this push to hustle my shit or like that whole machine aspect. I mean, I was really gung-ho on it for a long time. But, you know, there's only so many, like, Steve Guns in the world. Or, right, like, right. Jason Aleska lead, or, like, you yep. know. And that, that's that's cool. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of, like, in a... Just trying to be really open and honest with myself and figure out, like, you know... Just have fun with it. And, you know, things unfold, that's great. You know, and I'm definitely, like... 
most interested in um, hanging out with my friends and like living my life and, and having good experiences. There is one more new thing I need to mention I forgot about. I have a band called Staub, S-T-A-A-B, and that's with Philip Farmer and John Maloney from Sunburned. Oh, nice. And that's like more of like a skate punk, kind of like death punk style band. We just did like one session with a drummer in Lexington. He plays in Fatsu Fairfay. But John's like the permanent drummer. We're supposed to tour like in the fall. Um, Soft Abuse, that label out of me. Yeah, Soft Abuse is yeah, amazing. They're putting out that cassette soon. Cool. But, uh, you know, really it's, uh, I'm honestly way more juiced on what's in my backyard between like the shit we do in Lexington and Sophomore Lounge, Torn Light. I mean, that that's my crew, you know, like, that's where it's at. You know, I think, like, ten years ago, I was very anxious to see the world and just, like, I wanted to, like, see every show and meet every person and because I was just so juiced, and I'm still juiced, but now I'm, like, in the zone of, like, you know, man, there's so much good shit going on in the Midwest and the South that, like, maybe I've overlooked in the past, and I'm just trying yeah. to play a, a level of catch-up with it. You know? Well, that, that's awesome that um, this little part of the world can produce so much um, music that's worth seeing and worth worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Well, man, we it was great talking. We should probably get up there and Thank so you. You can start Thank your you, show. Man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was great meeting yeah. and talk. Yeah, Catching totally, up. man. Thank you so much. Of course.
Fatty for fame. Fatty for fame. Fatty for fame. Fatty for fame. Fatty for fame.